Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Hi, this is Adam Malik, and I'm here with Bill Hanvey, head of the Auto Care Association. Bill, great to be back here with you in, in, in Apex in Vegas. Adam, it is always a pleasure to see you, and it's a pleasure to be here in Vegas at night at the absolute favorite week of the year for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's the favorite week of 94% of uh, yes. previous pre-pandemic yep. uh, attendance, yep. so that, great that must be encouraging. It is. And, you know, you see the numbers on the page leading up to Apex in terms of, okay, we've got this amount of distributors and buyers. But until you see the people face to face, you know, it, it's hard to put a perspective on it. But, but this year it feels full. It feels active and certainly um, really vibrant. So mm-hmm. really, really happy first day. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great. It's been great. Yeah. So first of all, one question I really wanted to ask you, something we talked about last year was the 4 million new people to the aftermarket from the pandemic. How does that look this year? How have we kept them in the aftermarket? What behaviors are you seeing? Have they left? Are they sticking? How do you make them sticky? That's a, that's a really good question. And, you know, there's a lot of focus being made on, uh, on the opportunities within our industry itself. And uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, effort being put into apprenticeship programs in order to entice young men and women into this industry. Um, we have an organization called the University of the Aftermarket Foundation. And the University of the Aftermarket Foundation provides scholarships almost specifically for technicians or wannabe technicians, whether it be in the automotive space, the diesel space, and even like cybersecurity and so on and so forth. So UAF is very focused on providing those scholarships. I think it's everybody's responsibility to also provide uh, you know, documentary in terms of what a great uh, industry this is in, in itself to work. Plenty of opportunity uh, for, for all various levels of um, whether you're a product manager or whether you're a technician, so it's exciting that 4.5 million really should be about, I would say, between 4.750 and maybe even 5 million. We know that there's 135,000 technician jobs just waiting out there for qualified young men and women. Yeah, it's it's becoming hard to attract them in, isn't it? It's how how are we exciting them about? Uh, you know that it's not just turning a wrench. You're not the old term grease monkey, whatever. Right. You know it's it's a cool digital computerized it's, job. Right, and it's um, you, you know a, a technician now has to read code. They have to diagnose code, and, and it's just a very sophisticated system now uh, in order to be able to diagnose and maintain a vehicle. So, so the technology alone. Uh, it, it really is an enticement for, for young men and women to come into the industry itself. And just the general sexiness of an electronic car and some of the new technology really has helped us bolster the image of the industry mm-hmm. from beyond that, you know, the dirty shop floor to basically, uh, you know, a computer lab. 
So let's so switch gears now, maybe more to customer behaviors. Um, we've had, uh, last year, you know, we didn't really see this company, maybe we did a little bit, but you know, low supply of new cars, uh, low supply of used vehicles as well. Yes. You know, it's, it's impacted the aftermarket. How, how has it impacted it from your point of view? And how has that changed maybe the perspective of how the aftermarket will be able to respond, be profitable, mm -hmm. grow uh, in the next year or five well, years? I, uh, I suggest that you read the earnings releases of our major retailers and distributors. They're all enjoying uh, either uh, record or near record years following record or near record years in most part due to the fact that uh, consumers are keeping their vehicles longer. Um, it, it, it really helps that the vehicles are well made and the average age of the vehicle now is almost 12 years, it's 11.9 years old. Um, the fastest growing category uh, within our vehicle park are those vehicles between 15 and 20 years old. And they're gonna account for 35% of the vehicle population. Mm -hmm. As much as consumers like the technology, they're holding on to their, to their vehicles longer they're maintaining them better, and, and they're lasting longer. Mm -hmm. So this all bodes well for our industry. Yeah, and just that I heard this morning, uh, the five trends uh, with Todd Campo from yes. RSP, he was saying scrappage rates are at historic lows. People are oh. not getting rid of their cars, and it's keeping the VIO, the vehicles in operation. Right. Hi. And there's no need to scrap the vehicle because the vehicles are performing well and, and it, you know the pro a properly maintained vehicle now lasts 20, 25 years. Before it was the exception, now it's the norm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how do how does the aftermarket prepare for that now that they're going to be working on now these 15, 20-year-old cars? Because before, you weren't used to seeing those kind of cars, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting a lot more higher mileage cars. You know, How does that take adjustment in the way you, you think about your business? What, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's more on the new technology that they have to adjust. They've been seeing these, these vehicles... Uh, consistently through their through their lifespan and you know and typically the good shops they create a relationship with their customer that lasts for the entire life cycle of the vehicle mm -hmm. so that's where the independent aftermarket has an upper hand uh, over the dealership in terms of the consumers choose our industry 70% of the time so uh, so our industry is seeing that vehicle on a consistent basis whether it's for an oil change, whether it's for a drivetrain, or whatever the case might be. So they're used to seeing those vehicles. And then the new technology, as that becomes available, you know, it's incumbent upon us to be able to provide that training, either here at Apex or through the supplier community or through the distributors, so that they can keep up and, and maintain that relationship that they mm -hmm. have with the customer. Speaking of maintaining relationships, right to repair, that's still... You know, big issue a year ago we talked, you know, it was, it's still a, a very, um, I don't want to say popular topic, but a, a topic that needs to be discussed yeah. more. It is a how, how, how have we made progress on the last, have you seen more, less of the apathy, I guess, that we were seeing before? Where do we sit with it right now from your point of view? Well, it, you know, what's, what's really interesting, Adam, is that now the consumers are actually becoming more cognizant of right to repair, whether it's through uh, automotive repair, we're beginning to see it in the agricultural community. We've heard a, a tremendous groundswell from the agricultural community in terms of uh, the farmers being able to diagnose and fix their own combines. Uh, we're seeing with the consumer electronics industry. Why can't I take my cell phone to, to an independent shop on the corner? 
So uh, the consumers becoming more aware of this. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission here in the United States uh, published a report called Nix the Fix. We provided commentary to that. Uh, President Biden also uh, issued an executive order in terms of right to repair. So we're really beginning to see this and we're approaching it uh, obviously in Massachusetts to, to defend the court case that's currently in process. We're going to Maine uh, uh, in 2023. We hope we don't have to, but we're ready to do so. And we're also obviously working on a federal bill uh, mm -hmm. once the new Congress is seated in January. Yeah, and you're working as well closely with AIA Canada as well to to both sides. So it's a coordinated effort on both sides of the border for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and we learn from them. They learn from us. And what's interesting is each each region around the world has got a different approach in terms of the way that we're trying to achieve what we're trying to achieve. But we have a very consistent end game in mind. And that is to, uh, for the consumer to be able to choose where they get their vehicle mm -hmm. repaired. And someone heard someone mention, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be legislated. It has to be. Is there opinion on your end? Are you feeling that same way? I was very hopeful that there might be some collaboration from the automakers, but that seemingly is not going to happen. So yes, absolutely, legislation is the way that we're going to do this, and 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 not only legislation, but we're going to continue to to meet them on at the state level and at the federal level and through through the agencies such as the Federal Trade Commission. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're just keeping the pressure up on them from all angles. Mm -hmm. So just look ahead for next year. You know, what, uh, what, what excites you for the year coming ahead? What, uh, what's on the horizon? Something that you know, this is going to be great for the industry to look forward to. Yeah, we, we just published a, a, a report uh, with AASA uh, regarding e-tailing. We just published a report with uh, AASA regarding uh, the EV. You know, the, all the hype of oh my gosh, the EVs are gonna are gonna ruin our industry. Not even close. You know, not only is the internal combustion engine gonna be around and healthy by the year 2040, but our industry is always adjusted to do new technology. We will be the ones repairing those electronic vehicles in the very near future. And we have to make sure that the industry is prepared for that. E-commerce is, is a fascinating way to get the right part at the right place at the right time. Uh, it, it has also spurred renewed interest in, in the DIY category. DIY has grown three points since the pandemic has mm -hmm. shown up in, in uh, January of, uh, when was it, 2020? Yeah. It seems like 100 years ago. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the vehicle owners are now getting the confidence that they need to work on their own cars. Mm -hmm. And that's really exciting. And I think the love affair with the vehicle is really um, becoming reacquainted. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Last question I have for you is just, is there a message you want to get to the industry? Anything, any point you want to drive home? Something, you know, that a burning desire to get up there? Absolutely. And, and my message is always very consistent, and that is become engaged in the industry. Uh, although the association, uh, the Auto Care Association represents you, AIA Canada represents you, uh, but we need all of you to become involved in the industry. We are such a, a dynamic industry. We need all of your involvement. We need all of your voices to be heard in terms of preserving our future for right to repair. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Awesome. Bill, 
Pleasure as always. Always good to always see you. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, it's so nice <laughs> to see your face here. And Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Bill. Appreciate right. the time. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.